The more you look into it, the worse you find. It's not just the Chinese have stopped reporting on the youth unemployment problem or the real estate sectors pumping out seemingly an endless string of bankrupt developers. Now we're talking about a greater element of instability. We've got currency instability. We've got that and then some over there in China. We've got an economic crisis, but increasingly we're seeing political instability in a system that is dangerously unstable and unstabilized by everything that's going on. China's currency, the yuan, we continue to focus on it not as an object in and of itself, a currency crisis or a devaluation, certainly isn't that. We look at the falling yuan as a primary symptom of these much wider issues. As I said, monetary instability, economic instability, social instability, which is the one thing the communist government fears the most. And as the communists fear social instability, that has led to a high degree, maybe an unappreciated element of political instability for a regime that projects monolithic behavior. Everybody is aligned behind Xi Jinping and Xi Jinping thought. But is that actually the case? As CNY continues to plummet lower and lower, as the euro dollar rejects China's narrative, its stimulus hopes and all the dreams that go along with it, as reopening fades further and further into tortured economic history, we're starting to look further and deeper inside Xi Jinping's political, uh, political structure. And some of what's coming out, it's as bad as the falling currency. We'll get to that. We'll check out where the currency is, the economic data, and some political intrigue that is itself escalating along with all of these serious problems. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you for joining me. Eurodollar University, we have memberships available where we go into the background details behind the Eurodollar system, what it is, what it's supposed to do, why it isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Just ask Xi Jinping. He could tell you, or at least he could tell you the consequences of the Eurodollar system not working. All of that, the background material on money, on the monetary system, on the Eurodollar way of doing money in a monetary system at our website, eurodollar.university. So looking deeper into China, we'll start with the currency because that's the most obvious symptom of something going very wrong there. The currency has blasted past, finally, last October's low after two months of authorities throwing everything they could think of at the, at the uh, exchange value, trying to stabilize the situation. Instead, the euro dollar will not be denied. When the euro dollar senses some serious issues, and again, it's not just economic issues any longer, it's a reflection of much deeper problems. Now we're seeing in politics, the euro dollar gets moving in that one direction. There's very little you can do to stop it. Even central bankers find themselves only along for the right. And that's true of the PBOC, SAFE, and Chinese authorities too. As I'm speaking to you now, today is Friday, as the day I'm recording is Friday, September 8th. CNY is down now to 734.50, which is the lowest since 2008, early 2008. So we're almost 16 and a half, more than 16 and a half years since the currency has been this low. And again, as I said, they've been trying to stabilize it going back to late June. So two and a half months to no avail. As uh, one, of the, one of the tactics they've been using has been the daily parity or the central parity, the daily fix, the midpoint. 
By fixing it stronger, going back to June, the hope was that the market would get the message. The message would be that authorities want the currency to come higher, to at least stabilize, and that would be enough to convince speculators not to short the yuan. But it's not really about speculators. It's not really about what the PBOC wants. In fact, the only time that the stronger fix has been at least somewhat effective is on those days where you see commercial banks in China actually intervene in the marketplace. It's just empty threats from authorities. And rather than talk the currency higher, they've, has, they've instead inadvertently exposed just how powerless they are in the face of a determined Eurodollar system. And why is the Eurodollar system determined? Well, as as the PBOC tries to stabilize the situation, the euro dollar system, providing dollars to China, even if it's through Japan, you have to assess the situation far more realistically than maybe commentators divorced from the situation might. You're providing dollars to China. You want to know everything there is to know about the dangers in China. That's economic risk, that's monetary risk, and increasingly, that's political risk. So the currency picks up on all of those. And the more it wants to go down, no matter what the authorities wanted to do otherwise, that's what's going to inevitably happen because all of the all of the power and authority in the dollar system, in the global reserve currency system, and this is not political, by the way, this is purely economic and financial, all of the power in the euro dollar system, as long as that situation remains, as long as the risks are perceived to be continuing, then the, the, there's really nothing you can do. The currency is going to go where the currency is going to go. You at best have the ability to influence, like all central banks, in the short run. But outside of the short run, it's either fix the problem or hang on, hang on to your hats and hang on to your butts because it's about to get interesting, to put it mildly. So as the currency falls, as CNY drops to a new low, that tells us something pretty specific about how the risks are being perceived in all of these phases. So beyond the monetary phase, let's go into the economic part of the equation. Economic instability, economic lack of economic growth, the failure of reopening. It's also a reflection of the global economy. Because remember, especially what we're talking about here, it's the global, globally synchronized where China is an important part standing in the middle between demand from, from Western developed world, so-called developed world economies, and then forwarding that demand to the rest of the materials part of the world. According to the Chinese government, for the month of August 2023, exports declined by 8.8% year over year. That was better than the 14.5% year over year decline in July, but it wasn't really that much better. The the lower, the lower negative rate was really about how the base effect in comparison to, to August 2022 was much more favorable than July 2022. Exports to the United States fell 9.5% year over year. That was a marginal improvement over the 23% declines in both July and June year over year. But again, there was a base effect there, as well as only as well as a modest rebound in U.S. demand for Chinese goods. But even still, with that minor improvement, even with the base effects, you're still down 10% year over year in August. And exports to Europe from China minus 19.6%, following a 20% decline in July. So the European recession. Maybe there's a U.S. recession too. The European recession, at the very least, is hammering the Chinese manufacturing and industrial sector pretty hard. And the Chinese are turning around and giving that and transferring that 
to the rest of the world through their imports or their lack of imports. Imports declined at a 7.3% year-over-year rate, but like exports, favorable comparison to August of 2022. So it's better than July's minus 12.4%. But minus 7.3%, that's a pretty substantial decline. Imports from Europe, that's China. China's struggles causing and, and contributing to European struggles. Imports from Europe, those are now falling 5.7%. They were down 3% in July, so even the base effects there didn't help, and just almost flat in June. And what you see from uh, Chinese imports from Europe is the dead cat bounce, which is big decline to the end last year, consumer prices and producer prices around the world depressing the global economy. Then we had a modest rebound, reopening benefited Europe. In, the, in this case, imports from China, in, uh, imports into China from Europe, those rebounded. But then you get into March, April, and May, and now summertime, and they're going back over again. The idea that reopening was going to lead to some global renaissance in 2023 is fading quicker and quicker and quicker. In fact, we're seeing a rollover, not just rollover, but a deterioration, maybe an accelerating deterioration as we enter summertime. To the big news here, that's the politics of everything. Big news over the last couple of days, Xi Jinping, China's leader, is not going to make the G20 summit in Delhi, India. Instead, he's going to stay home for reasons that haven't really been explained. And we're seeing a lot of that recently out of China. These political changes that don't ever get explained. Now, the Chinese communists, they're true to form. They're never really all that forthright and transparent to begin with. But this is really starting to get, to get um, escalate. It's really starting to get more and more concerning. And there was a report issued by Nikkei a couple days ago which suggested that a retreat in Beidahe, or Beidaihe, that Xi Jinping was actually reprimanded. That's, what the, that's the word that the report said. Xi Jinping was reprimanded by the elders that got together at this retreat in Beidaihe. Now, the retreat, obviously, it didn't have Zhang Zemin because he passed away earlier this year. It, didn't also, it also didn't include Hu Jintou, who was Xi's predecessor. And if you remember from last year, who was the guy that Xi, Xi unceremoniously had removed from the Great Hall during the Congress. So funny that who didn't get an invitation either. And still, despite all of these strongman tactics, there was this report that was somewhat corroborated or expanded upon that suggested that she was reprimanded, scolded by party elders, suggesting that there is more cracks forming in the political system in China. In addition to this report from Nikkei, there was another one from the Times of India just a day later that said this. And again, the headline, unprecedented scolding by party elders could be reason behind Xi Jinping's no-show at the G20 summit in India. Of course, again, this is all speculation. Keep that in mind. A flustered Xi voiced his frustration to his closest aides, blaming them for the crisis that China is currently facing. The Chinese leader also pointed fingers at his predecessor, Deng Xiaoping, Zhang Zemin, and Hu Jintou for, quote, leaving behind unresolved issues that now burden his leadership. 
In one sense, you can understand what he's talking about. Because the China that was built under Deng Xiaoping and continued under Zhang Zemin and Hu Jintou was China that was going to take advantage of the Eurodollar system's globalization, global trade. China was going to be the manufacturing to the world. So they were going to take advantage of this wave of globalization that the Eurodollar system made possible and create a modern, prosperous society that the socialists have been dreaming about ever since Karl Marx and Frederick Engels first well, borrowed it from Babuff, but either way, before the first communists ever dreamed of the socialist revolution and utopia. But along the way came this 2008 crisis, and in response to that 2008 crisis, which wasn't a recession, it was a permanent rupture in the global economy, the Chinese did what their Western-trained economists told them to do. They unleashed their inner John Maynard Keynes and did credible amounts of wasteful, artificial stimulus, especially unleashing, unleashing enormous tide of credit. So when, when Xi Jinping is talking about leaving behind unresolved issues, what he's saying is the, glo the global growth disappeared and left us with this massive amount of debt, in real, largely in the form of real estate, that we have no way of really dealing with. Because normally when you have an asset bubble like that, there's only two ways out of it. One of them is to grow your way out of it, and the other way is the asset bubble becomes sort of, sort of like Japan in the 1980s, which is something that Chinese authorities are desperately afraid of. They understand that having not quite completed their journey to the socialist paradise, they're still incredibly vulnerable, especially if they can't placate the masses with economic potential, because the masses start to understand the economy isn't behaving the way it used to. So Xi Jinping is indeed in a very tight spot. And it's not hard to understand or not hard to conceive of why party elders in China might be a little upset with the way everything is going. Greater amounts of instability in the currency, more crisis in the economy, political instability too. One thing I always say is the rate of change in the economy goes down, the rate of change in politics goes way up. And it isn't just, it's not just it's not just this 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 uh, she missing from the G20 summit. There's more more shuffling of the deck in in uh, behind the scenes in the Chinese government this year too. Talked before about the removal of Ken Gang, who was the foreign minister. Not only was he the foreign minister, he was a close confidant or a close ally of Xi Jinping himself, and he had just been named to the state council, which is sort of the highest layer of governments here, the highest layer of the party and the government in China, he was named to the state council in March. And then all of a sudden, he just disappears, which is curious in and of itself, but also curious because he's a well-known Xi loyalist. So again, that suggests something else, but that's not the only one either. Yi Gang, who was head of the People's Bank of China, he had just been uh, reappointed to another term as governor, I think in March too. And then suddenly he was retired out of, seemingly out of nowhere, just before the Chinese started to intervene in their currency. So there's a reshuffling at the top of the PBOC as well. And that's not all. According to, to NBC News on August 2nd, Xi Jinping replaced two generals overseeing the country's nuclear and missile arsenal, a move that analysts say represents a major shakeup of the elite forces leadership. State media reported that General Li Yuchao, chief of the People's Liberation Army's Rocket Force Unit, and his deputy, General Liu Guangbing, 
were replaced by a naval officer and an Air Force officer. The new leaders, former Deputy Chinese Navy Chief Wang Hubin and Party Central Committee member, that's a clue here, Xu Xinxian, have not previously served in the force, a dramatic break with practice. It's unprecedented in the history of China's missile forces, said Taylor Fravel, a professor of political science and director of the Security Studies Program at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. So what is going on in China? The one thing is very clear, that's the one we focus on, China's yuan goes down. But that's not the object of our discussion and analysis. China's yuan going down is itself a symptom. It's a symptom of, in very technical terms and very narrow terms, it's a symptom of the eurodollar system looking at China and saying, I don't like what's going on here. And we can look at all the economic data and say, yeah, China's economy is not performing very well, but it's probably worse than it even the, the statistics make it appear. The level of instability that's being indicated by all of these things suggests it's not just a minor issue here or there. And let's not forget here, one final, one final thought, that China's struggles are a partial reflection of our own. This is not China being China. This is China trying to live within an economy and a global system that doesn't look anything like what most people think it does and certainly doesn't look anything like what it used to. The Chinese are telling us that this is a brave new world that requires a lot of bravery to get yourself around in it. If you want to see more about China's struggle with its currency, because that's a good one to focus on, check out the video at the link below me. As always, I do thank you for joining me. Huge thank you as always, Eurodollar University members, Eurodollar University subscribers. Until next time, take care.